Crank it. Crank oh, it. Oh, that's a good one. Did you hear it? I, I saw this TikTok. No, I didn't hear it. But I saw this TikTok um, of this woman. And she was like, I like to crack my back. But what if I get paralyzed one time when I crack it? And I've never thought of that. Like, what if you do? What if you crack your back and then you get stuck? I've thought about that multiple times. And you're like walking around like you have scoliosis. I just keep doing it though. <laughs> it's an addiction at this point. I can't help it. It's an impulse. It's like your wrist. Second nature. I'm like, well, whenever I hear you crack something, I'll like the only part of my body that I pop is my thumb. So if I hear you crack something, I just do a tiny little like. Victor does that. He does it with his toes. Every time I pop, he'll go like with his toes and he yeah. doesn't realize that he's doing it. It's gross. I knew you wouldn't like that. There's a pink car out there. Oh my gosh, Sharpay Evans High School Musical 2 pink it car? Like, like, yeah. Well, it's not a, like a convertible, but it's like a light pink color. What does her license plate say on it? Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous. Hi, and welcome back to a new episode of What's for Brunch. I'm Maddie. Are we starting? Yeah! And I'm Caitlin. Oh, yeah! It's so good to see you again. I haven't seen you in a whole entire month. I just saw you last weekend. We went to music bingo. We We went to music bingo, and... We, we didn't lost. we didn't win at all it's hard know. to talk about but we had a good time and we really showed up some old ladies maddie what do you have for brunch today i have these yummy yummy bud light seltzers they're the retro tie-dye twisted berry and some blue one i, I have feel like my stock are, are we allowed to say that are we because we, we're so like famous you know like are we allowed to use brands are we our... gonna be sued I, I don't know well I'm I'm drinking mine in my brewmate will I be sued for saying brewmate too how's that I work I don't know anyways back to what's for brunch wfb wfb I feel like that stands for something bad like I feel a, like I've heard that before sounds like a terrorist organization or something <laughs> the first thing that came to my head <laughs> anyway <laughs> what um, are you having for brunch today i'm having the exact same thing in a different flavor because we coordinated this time did we <laughs> no but we accidentally did and we both have our roommates so i'm also drinking it in the cherry limeade flavor you can't see it if you're just listening on something else but i'm holding it up in front of you um what else is for brunch I also have a go-go squeeze mm, because nice. I've become emotionally dependent on go-go squeeze that sounds about right I'm trying to fuel my body at the same time that I destroy it with alcohol because mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed in the last couple episodes but we got absolutely plastered I threw up afterwards okay <laughs> listen it was our first time though it was our first time. You can't hold it against us. We don't know our own. How long? How, how long, long is all of it? I really, I gotta play you this video. I took a video of myself on Snapchat because I was trying to respond to something you oh, were no. sending me afterwards, and I went back and saw it later. I mean, I was so drunk and I didn't realize it until after I had 
got out of this chair and was finally done. And Victor had brought me food um, because we had just gone like all morning without eating and we only drank like wine. And uh, he brought me food and it was Culver's and the smell of the onions. I was like, this is it. This is going to be, I was like, I'm going to puke right here. my breaking point. And (laughs) okay. So you, I'm hoping that you'll be able to hear this. Oh my god, what I'm saying. We got trashed. No, it was <laughs> We got so trashed and this episode is going to be a huge improvement because not only are we going to try and make it to where you can actually follow our conversation, but Mm -hmm. also that you can understand us and understand what's happening in the book that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, we're cutting it down to one book this week. We're not talking about an entire series that consists of five books that are 500 pages long. So hopefully that should help us out. Um, Maybe we might be slightly more coherent I'm not sure (laughs) I don't know either but bear with us I feel like Mm -hmm. we'll get a little bit better every single episode and maybe (laughs) just maybe one day you'll understand what the fuck we're talking about hopefully Um, our first episode and we decided to make the Akatar episodes into a part one and a part like almost 1.5 because um, it was like half an episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are already posted. So watch it on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, go watch them on there um, or don't and just skip to this one. I don't really care. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. Maddie, what are you reading right now currently? So last episode I was reading A Marvelous Light, The Chef's Kiss. It was really good. Um, this episode I'm currently reading anxious people by um frederick backman it's basically about um this guy who robs a bank but does it very poorly um it's a cashless bank and so when he realizes (laughs) this he runs across the street up into an apartment showing with seven people and accidentally takes it hostage um so it's just kind of like all these people who are fucking idiots and they're trying to figure out like it's just it's kind of like a mystery in a way because at the very end they go up and the guy's not in there and they don't know how he got out so it's basically them trying to figure out where the bank robber went and it's like really funny but it's also like really deep at the same time so I'm I'm excited to see how it ends I'm not even halfway through I've been reading it for like two days. <laughs> that's amazing because I feel like that's like, I've, it's relatable, but mm-hmm. why do I feel like, not because you're an idiot, because I think you're very, I think you're very, very smart. Um, that's not what I'm saying when I say this, but I feel <laughs> like that would happen to you. Like you always end up in these really bizarre situations and you're like, how did I get myself here? That is the relatable part. <laughs> Are you reading anything right now about bank robbers or your book sounds a little bit lighter, slightly Mm. lighter than mine. Um, Right now I'm reading a flicker in the dark by Stacy Willingham. 
Um, and it's pretty good, but I feel like I'm in a reading lull right now. I'm going really slow. Mm-hmm. This book is really interesting. It's about a girl who is grown up now and she's actually a therapist. Um, so that's interesting to see because this is the second book in a row that I'm reading now that is from the point of view of a therapist or a psychologist. And But this is actually about how she, when she was younger, she found out that her father raped and murdered or just murdered um, like six teenage girls while she was living with him and she had no idea. So it's kind of about, I think it's going to be about learning that the monsters that you're afraid of as a kid are actually not under your bed, but in the room down the hall or something like that. Damn, that's deep shit, man. Yeah, so it's like a thriller type thing. It's pretty good. So that's what I'm reading right now. <laughs> it's a, it's going to be a one of those ones that has a big plot t- twist, which the book, I'm just going to jump to this now. The book that we're going to talk about in our next episode, The Silent Patient, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the last episode saying that we were reading it at the time, but that has maybe the my second favorite of all time plot twists in anything ever that I've read or watched what's your first <laughs> my <laughs> first favorite plot twist I'll talk about maybe I'll talk about it in the next episode but my favorite plot twist is in the it's called the village I think <gasps> oh yes the, the M. Night Shyamalan one yeah yes, yes. you're I the one who made me watch it and you didn't make me watch it but you told me about it anyway okay <laughs> maybe it's not the bl- best plot twist in the world but no that's a plot me. twist man it got it me got, that got me too I was like what the fuck okay but the book we're talking about today also has a decent plot twist in it um, yes you have a copy with you we're going to be talking about The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. This is also a very famous book talk book, along with The Silent Patient and Akatar. Um, a lot of people like this book. It's mm-hmm. kind of hard for me to get this book yeah. because it was sold out. Oh, look, over 2 million copies sold. Mm-hmm. Um, so should we give a little... Yeah, so this is by Taylor Jenkins Reed. Is that what it is? Yeah, she also wrote, um, didn't she write Where the Crawdads Sing? She's written popular stuff. And then Daisy Jones. And then, yeah, she's got It's just everywhere, all over my stuff right now. You know, it's crazy. I haven't watched it. I don't know if I'm going to watch it or if I'm going to try to read the book or not. I feel like I need to read the book now because it was pretty hyped up yeah and now this is too and everybody's happy with this casting right yes oh but some people are not happy with the, it, ends with us. it ends with us casting yeah that's, okay that's what I was trying to figure out <laughs> yeah. but Which, they are happy with the Daisy Jones casting so book talk is flying high right now mm-hmm. um, also girls. um what just came out six of crows have you ever heard of that? No. Like the Shadow and Bone series. Um, oh. They put it together with Six of Crows because they're the same like universe. And um, I'm very happy with that casting too. Just going to put that out there. You know what? I've been, I've been off of book stuff for like maybe a week or two now because I finished The Last of Us. 
I've been trying um, to watch Abbott Elementary and now uh, Ted Lasso <laughs> is back out. Oh, I saw. <laughs> and I've got to watch that. You and your Ted Lasso. It just makes me happy. It makes me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> so Abbott Elementary is going to make me happy. Anyways, yeah. Evelyn Hugo is what we're talking about today. So yeah, we should probably give just a little, we'll start by actually informing you. So spoiler alert, <laughs> we're actually going to tell you what's going on in the book, unlike we did unintentionally last time. And also, yeah, spoiler, like if you haven't read this book and you want to read this book and you don't want spoilers, you probably should not listen because we're going to tell everything. Yeah, it happens along with the twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, there's this woman, and over the course of her life, she marries seven different people. Oh wait, oh, I never started our drink timer. <gasps> so what? just because we got plastered last time doesn't mean that we're gonna stop drinking. Yeah. I forgot to start our timer for our 15 minute interval, so maybe I'll do like 10 minutes. Okay. Sorry. Okay, I'm starting the timer. Sorry, I okay. cut off your your summary. That's okay. Um, her name's Evelyn Hugo, and she marries seven different people over the course of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, there's this girl at the very beginning, and she works. Her name is Monique. She works at uh for is it a magazine or a newspaper? I think it's I think a magazine. It's like a magazine. So she's a like magazine. a journalist, but she's like a wannabe writer. She wants to do her own stuff. She's kind of low on the totem pole right now and she's kind of the main character that you get introduced to and Evelyn Mm -hmm. is like this mysterious like most famous person in the world iconic Hollywood star yeah and uh, she hasn't given an interview in a long time but she's selling all of her gowns that she wore to all these academy awards for charity Mm -hmm. so um basically evelyn's publicist calls up this magazine and says that they want to give them the article she's writing about giving these dresses away but they will only do it if monique is the one who is doing the interview and nobody understands because Monique's just like you said this little man on the totem pole and um so yeah so she basically gets the job gets to go interview Evelyn and then um what happens yeah, so then so then Evelyn invites her over and it's this big <laughs> it was almost like why was this the first thing that came to my head um if you've read Fifty Shades when Anastasia is like going up to interview <laughs> Christian. <laughs> okay, wait. So I just want to put this out here. I don't know if it made it into the podcast last time, but I'm pretty sure we talked about Fifty Shades of Grey last time. <laughs> now we're talking about Fifty Shades of Grey again. You're right. And that had such a big mark on our child. <laughs> That's so bad. That is bad. It's so bad. But mm-hmm. it reminds me of like the, the nervous buildup because she's walking into Evelyn's mansion mm-hmm. and she's going to go and sit down and have this chat with her. And that's when Evelyn says, um, I actually lied to you. I think your writing is really good. And I want you and you only to write the story of my life. She's very elusive and she won't tell her why. And so... Monique 
who is the journalist is like, why do you want me to do this? Why don't you just write it yourself? Mm -hmm. And so a big plot point in the story is what is Evelyn's true motive? Because yeah, because she's very, as you very like secretive. Yes. And she's very smart. Yes. So what she wants to tell, what people know about Evelyn is she's the most beautiful person in the whole world. She's an amazing actress and she's had seven marriages. So we're going to go through all the men and tell you what we think about them. Yes. We love to slander men on this podcast. So um, get ready. I wrote, so for these, I take notes in my notes app so that I can just have my phone like sitting next to me like I'll like bookmark stuff or whatever but I'll go back and I'll make a note of it and I wanted to count on how many occasions I wrote so I started out my note you can't see this because it won't show and people who are listening can't see it either but my first note was I hate men And then later on, I had like maybe three or four paragraphs of notes or small mini paragraphs of notes that I put in there. And I put, again, I hate men. (laughs) And then, so that's like halfway through the book, we get through more of the book and I write, I hate men again. I just want to like put this out here (laughs) that we're, we're saying, we're like, I hate men. And then if you look in the like corner of your screen, (laughs) there's your boyfriend. (laughs) We look very happy with that one. We don't actually hate men. We don't. We hate the men in these books. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. So if you're a man listening to this, we're very but sorry. But if you've just been through a breakup, maybe read this book, I guess. I would read this book. Well, it might make you angrier. You could also read... No, I'm not going to get into that. Sorry. <laughs> I read a lot, a lot of books about hating men in a row. <laughs> it was very eye-opening okay so anyway back to the her seven husbands um we're just gonna jump right into it um because evelyn starts off with she calls him poor ernie diaz but when i took notes on this i said poor not really ernie diaz because i did not feel sorry for this man um and i don't know if poor she meant it in a way that like she felt bad or poor in a way that he didn't have a lot of money, but I I really, I did not feel bad for this man. So maybe um, we, need to, we need to, I feel like we need to set the scene a little okay. bit more. So Evelyn starts off by telling Monique, she starts from the beginning. So at this point, she's a teenager. She's very, very young. And this takes place long, long time ago, old Hollywood. So times are very different especially as a woman, but it starts off with her in her teenage years. She's just gone through puberty and she's got, she's become a woman and she's very, very beautiful. She got big titties too. Yeah. She lives, she calls it, what does she call it? Hell's Hell's kitchen. Yeah. Calls it Hell's kitchen. Um, It's in Manhattan. Do they call Manhattan Hell's kitchen? I don't know. I'm not from. Yeah. Maybe they used to. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I call the show Hell's Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen. But- Which is weird because is that where he got Hell's Kitchen from? Like, no, is that no. where he got the title of it? Because, <laughs> to everyone, like, who, knows, to everyone who knows the answer to these questions, <laughs> we're sound really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh. <laughs> but anyway, that's where she's from. And she's Cuban. She comes from a Cuban family. Um, she grew up in Manhattan. And 
her mother passed away at a young age and that really impacted her her mother was a prostitute but um she was she so much performed I think yeah. in a way and that's where Evelyn got her passion yeah and then she also wanted to make her mom proud yeah she was they describe her that way but I was gonna say she's so much more than that she was a dreamer and mm-hmm. so Evelyn became a dreamer and because of her mom is the reason she became so ambitious and wanting to become this famous movie star and so she climbs up the ladder in her own way which we'll talk yes. about to get there and she goes through men to do that and she learned from a young age that men will easily respond with a little flirting or you know flashing or doing them favors is what minded creatures yeah different times different times but that's what happens in her story Mm -hmm. so the first one like you said the first man that she comes across is ernie diaz yeah so um like you said her mother was a prostitute so she she saw that and I think she learned from that so I think that the only way she saw out of her situation was by selling her body in a way so it kind of starts out with a story about her in this five and dime store and selling her body in a way in exchange for anything she wanted in that five and dime store which I think showed her that she could also use her body to get out of Hell's Kitchen and that's where Ernie comes in handy and um she basically uses her body to get him to want to marry her and take her with because where is Ernie going Ernie is going to California he's going to Hollywood to work wasn't he was it to work on a set there yeah because I don't know if he was like an electrician or if he was just I, moving there. He was moving there for some reason. He was I thought he was like there. a yeah, trades type of person in a way, but so um, she knew it. Same, yeah. They lived in the same neighborhood and she found mm-hmm. out that Ernie had plans to move all the way across the country over there. And she was like, this is my ticket and I'm going to use it. So she puts on her best green dress, you know, mm-hmm. pulls it down a little and then knocks on his door and says, hey. And then he's like, oh my God, falls in love with her. Oh my God. <laughs> they get married. Yeah. He takes right. her with. Oh. I don't like carbonation. That's the problem. Yeah. And seltzers are horrid. Ugh. We're starting over, but I'm going back to 15. So they get married and they go to Hollywood and they're, why do I, I don't want to say she's unhappy. She's still very ambitious. She starts working as a waitress in this local diner that gets mm-hmm. frequented, fre- frequented, 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 I, frequented, frequented. A lot of famous people <laughs> go to this diner and eat there. <laughs> yes. So she saw that as her ticket. She's like, I'm going to start working as a waitress and serve these famous people or these almost famous people so that I can just put myself in front of them. 
And that's what ends up happening. Uh, people come in. It's it is Ari Sullivan and Harry, right? Yeah. So they so these people, Ari Sullivan is an owner of Sunset Studios. It's a they make movies. Um, and he comes in and he thinks she's like the most beautiful person in the whole world. And she tells them that she's gonna be a famous actress. And they're like, but you have no experience. And she was like, so and they admired her so they brought her on and then she started to be like okay this is my time when I need to cut ties with Ernie Ernie yeah so so I'm pretty sure she's she uh she sleeps with she sleeps with Ari before she cuts ties with poor kind of poor Ernie but you gotta know man you gotta know that she used you at that point I I think it's like I'm gonna go back to the different times yeah and at that point Ernie just expected her to be a housewife who stayed Mm -hmm. home cooked for him you know was there and did all the house chores and all that which is what women typically did back there because back then because that's what was expected of them and so she didn't want to do that and I respect that but um yeah so she finds her opportunity with Ari um first she's getting you know the small little roles and then um it eventually starts to get bigger and she starts to get noticed more and so she's like Ernie you're done yeah she basically out of the blue comes back home one day and is like hey I'm really enjoying my time um I want to be a famous actress because she's been lying to him she's been playing Mm -hmm. it along and playing the housewife knowing fully the whole time that she used him to get here the whole entire time. She's very naive. She's very immature still at this point in her life. I don't even think she's 20 yet though. No, because I think she lied to, um, she hadn't even finished high school. So she lied to Ernie about her age and he thought differently. She's still very young and it shows. So out of the blue, she comes home and she's like, um yeah so I want to be an actress and I'm just gonna leave you and he's just like what but eventually he takes it and she just leaves him yeah because she ends up taking taking classes I think um while she's with him and he's like oh a cute little hobby for my wife and no (laughs) yeah right so totally hit him out of the blue so it's like poor Ernie Diaz I get the title I don't feel super bad for him but I also don't like Evelyn at this point. No, um, I think she, I do find her very smart at this point still, because imagine being 16 years old and like being resourceful enough to get out and then play this man, play this producer and this guy who runs these studios enough to start starring in movies when you basically have zero acting. Right. She's scrappy like, I respect her this whole entire story because mm-hmm. of how scrappy she is. So it's like... There's not a single point that you don't respect her. Yeah. And then especially in the time period that it's in, it's very... It's fun to see a woman playing men when all men did back then was play women. So yeah. it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So she's scrappy as fuck. She's going hard. Um, and she's doing what she needs to do to get a job 
and it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. At this point in the story, she has left Ernie Diaz up and dry, never to speak or hear of him again. She's hooked up with the owner of Sunset, um, and she's living her life, making these small movies. She This is when she meets Harry. Um, Harry becomes one of her very, very best friends in the whole world. Um, as their lives go on and so she meets Harry and she starts to get in this circle of famous friends so I'm using air quotes for people who can't see they are friends because basically all these people work at Sunset Studios like they work for Sunset Studios because back then I don't know if just like one television program or one like Mm -hmm. production studio yeah owned the majority of the movies that were like produced back then so I think this was, this was like a really major one because mm-hmm. um this leads into her meeting her next husband who is also a very famous movie star he has famous movie star parents also yes. so um Mr. Don Don she Don. calls him goddamn Don Adler so basically you know before the chapter or before the section that you read how she feels about the man she has decided to marry in the Uh section so she names him goddamn don adler and i'm just that the foreshadows that it's probably not going to be very good for a number of reasons not only is it heated it's heated many different ways so she meets don adler because he stars opposite her in a movie and as a publicity i can't say anything today as a publicity stunt they are gonna go out together and date and take all these pictures together but when they go out she realizes oh i kind of do think he's attractive and he's not repulsive and you can have a conversation with him Mm -hmm. so they end up actually dating and actually spending more time together and I feel like this so she's already had you know she's been sexual with other people she's had sex she's lost her virginity she's done all these things she's used sex to get things but this is her sexual awakening she enjoyed for the first time sex yes with Dawn yeah and she had never enjoyed sex. It was always a means to get something else. And I think that, like, I wrote down in my notes that she didn't really have a lot of examples of what love was supposed to look like in her childhood. So mm-hmm. I think that that plays a big part in that, is that she finally found someone that she liked having sex with. And you can confuse that with oh, I'm so in love with this person because it feels so good to be with this person type of thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so it's all fine and dandy in the beginning and they go on on these dates and then I feel as if he proposed very quickly. <laughs> but um, he proposes, she says yes. Um, that's not for publicity. That's because she's actually thinks that she's in love with this guy. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, everything's fine but then things start to take turn downhill right so they're like the brad and angelina of that time they are Mm -hmm. the it couple the power couple on the outside 
And then at home, like you said, things take a turn and he starts to care more about staying famous than anything else. And it brings out his insecurities because she's blowing up. Everybody is obsessed with Evelyn. They want to either fuck Evelyn or be Evelyn. And there's no in between. And he's jealous and insecure about that. And he takes it out on her physically, verbally, in every abusive way you can think of. He takes it out on her. Goddamn Don Adler. Yeah. So we don't love Don. No. Don is one of the most important and the most interesting husbands. He gets, I would say, almost as much time as Harry, right? He gets a big section. A big chunk. Because she stays with him for a really long time. So despite all of this abuse, mm-hmm. um, she stays with him. Um, once again, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she doesn't know what love is actually supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And she's only ever seen these men treat women like shit. So and she has, on top of all of that that she's already got going on, other than the fact that it's going to sound bad other than the fact that her husband is abusing her her life is pretty good yes so her job got- is where she wants it to be she lives in a mansion with staff she mm-hmm. has everything she wants and she's starting to make a friend and we're going to talk about her in a second she's starting to make a friend so she's struggling with leaving Don or wanting to not be with him because she's like I don't deserve this but she's at the same time she's like I don't want to give up all that I worked for Mm -hmm. because that's what would happen that's what you know in a divorce yeah who's going to be perceived as the better one back then the man or the woman and it's always going to be the man right so Don Adler is trash Mm -hmm. especially right now when he's young and she's young but she does meet someone and her name is Celia and mm-hmm. Celia becomes a big, big, big part of her life. At first she hates Celia. Yes. Because Celia of- is young and new and shiny and a lot of people find her attractive also. Yes. So it's like somebody's coming in who's not Evelyn and she's younger than Evelyn. Mm-hmm. And that's a very threatening, a threatening thing for her, I think. Yes. So they meet and they actually hate each other. But I think a lot of people didn't like Evelyn because Evelyn is very like to the point. She's a no bullshit kind of person. And she doesn't really care about making any relationships or friends. She doesn't really care about any of that. So she pushes a lot of people away because like you said, she doesn't know how to show love. Her mom was gone after a certain point. Her father was like, air quotes some like a typical deadbeat dad um, who didn't care about her would basically didn't notice when she left mm-hmm. um so she didn't really have a father either so that has all impacted her so she doesn't really have social skills <laughs> neither do I it's okay very good social skills so she doesn't make friends easily but for some reason Celia this new girl really likes her and she cannot figure out why Uh, so they start spending more time together because it benefits both of them 
in terms of be seen together yeah Mm -hmm. be seen together and Celia wants to be Evelyn she wants to be better than Evelyn and Evelyn's like oh bitch I'm not done yet um but their shared drive brings them together and so they kind of have this respect for each other and they grow and they bond because of that and they eventually become friends until this is right this is the time when they start to become more yeah so I think they kind of foreshadow it because they're always she's always talking about like the little things before like Celia is always coming over to her apartment um some of the things that Celia just like says throughout it you're like "Mm, this is interesting Mm -hmm. um because before I read the the book I knew nothing about it Mm -hmm. and my brother was like oh there's a twist in there and you're gonna you're gonna um be really confused and so I was confused because you know they were kind of building this up and kind of showing you that um Celia might actually be one of the love interests in the book but you know nowhere in the title does it say the seven husbands and one one wife of Evelyn Hugo right so um basically we're getting to the end of Don Adler. We're getting to yeah. the end of the section. There was and... one thing in there, though. Mm-hmm. Can you open? Oh, oh, yeah. I want her to read this part from a page. It's page 116. Uh, I had a note for that, and it's in this. And I think she's, what, at a movie or something? Going to see so they. Yeah, they show up to this movie performance premiere together um it's the little women one actually it's the movie that uh evelyn and celia starred in together for the first time it might have been it's the only one they ever starred in together right i think so yeah so um do you do you want to say why it just just you want me to read it do you want to read like a little bit about it or a little bit um i'll start with Uh, You're the most beautiful woman here, Don said into my ear as I stood next to him. But I already knew he thought I was the most gorgeous woman here. I knew very acutely that if he did not believe that, he would not have been with me. Men were almost never with me for my personality. I'm not suggesting that charming girls should take pity on the pretty ones. I'm just saying it's not so great being loved for something you didn't do. This really, really bugs me when I read it for the first time and I kept reading it and I kept reading it and I took a few days and I went back and thought about it again because it really rubbed me the wrong way. (laughs) And I just, I chalked it up to eventually is that this is the way that the author is showing us that she's still very immature Mm because she says men are almost never with me for my personality. But in my opinion, At that point in her life, she had never shown anyone any ounce of personality. All that she had shown people was her tits. So you can't expect anyone to value you for your personality or your true self when you've taught them and you've taught yourself to only value your body. You used your body and your body only. So I was just like, my reaction was, well, well, what do you expect Um, so first it made me angry I was like come on girl just like wake up and understand that but I think it just highlighted how much she still had to learn about herself and how much she still had to grow 
And I think it also yeah. looked like she was still with Dawn. And <clears throat> the fact that she put in there that um, I'm not saying that charming girls should take pity on the pretty girls, right? Um, right. kind of saying like you can't be charming and pretty at the same time you either have to have a really good personality or you have to be really good looking mm -hmm. so I'm wondering if she's sitting there thinking thinking that like since I'm so pretty I don't need to have the personality to get people to like me right Um, or if she's I don't know like because I think she had a really nice person no well <laughs> I think she, she had a personality she doesn't have an endearing bone in her body. In her body. <laughs> She's not a nice person. No. You respect the hell out of her for what she does and what she had to do and how ambitious she is. You So you respect her, but you don't necessarily like her yet. Yeah. And she used what she had to do what she needed to do. Yeah. But um, um, she just... I don't think she thought she had anything else to offer besides being good looking. Yeah. And I, I think it was a very low, right. Low time for her. Right. <laughs> but I agree with you. It's, it's, a, it, it rubbed a lot of the things she said about her looks rubbed me the wrong way. Mm -hmm.
So um, I don't know how they get to the closet. They get to the closet. But they get to the closet. See they, they talk and then they kiss. And that's the start. <laughs> that's the start of Evelyn and Celia St. James. And it's a long road, man. But they're not, she's not a husband. We're about to um hit our next 15 minutes already. Um, so like she said, her and Celia are getting things heated up. Um it's getting <laughs> hot in the closet. Yeah. And they steaming. Didn't, they didn't take their clothes off, but they wanted to. Um, yeah. They don't take their clothes off for a while, actually. Yeah, but that was her ticket. Dawn cheating on her was kind of her ticket out of there. Yeah. Husband number three. So she's, yes. She is basically in the secret relationship with Celia St. James now. So um, husband number three. Am I supposed to be finishing this drink? I haven't finished this one. We're going a little bit slower than last time, but I think that's okay. I finished the first one, but I think I've got like half a can left. And the carbonation makes me burp. That's okay. You it's hear me burp. Just pretend you like you didn't hear me burp, okay? okay. And it's like 1950 burp. something, right? Yeah. You being gay back then was not an option. No. So um, they needed to find a way to get the rumors out of the media and um Evelyn came up with a way that was I have to give it to her smart as hell Mm -hmm. I detailed like she knew what she was fucking doing man I respect the hell out of her for it if only um she let other people in on on this plan right so <laughs> we're so, introducing to you gullible mcreva yeah but um very heavily on the gullible part yep so because he's stupid and yeah. um he's got one brain cell and he just thinks that every woman in the world one well sorry i'm slandering him and we haven't even given him a backstory yet but that's his that's his thing he's like the cool musician and he's the chad girls. the brad in the fraternity yes the all the girls want he's the cool guy and he's the target he is evelyn's next victim except her plan that she devises to get her and celia out of the out of the news, out of the tabloids. Um, she doesn't actually tell Celia what that plan is. She just takes matters into her own hands. So while she is starting to be better at caring for other people, she hasn't gotten to the point in her life where she understands how to go about that in the right way. Yeah, so, so she basically gives her like a bunch of half truths because yeah. Celia knows what's going on, but not to like the full extent of the plan so do you want to explain the plan or would you I can try I can try okay so so it's I'm not gonna do as well because I'm not Evelyn uh so she devises a plan to make Mick overnight fall in love and want to marry her so she basically goes about this 
very strategically, she, like she very in depth has this idea of, so if I like look flirty, but then play hard to get so that he knows I'm good enough because I'm also the most beautiful woman in the world. Like she knows she's got more than enough to get him, but she still has to play like hard to get. So she's very strategic about how to get him to even like approach her in the first place. But of course he comes Don't up. Don't they spend time together um, before? Yes. They go out on a couple dates. Yes. So yeah. yeah. So then he starts asking around on a couple dates. And then I think on one of them, she's like, we should just like go to Vegas. Like not saying anything. Take my private jet. (laughs) She's like, we should just go to Vegas. And he's like, what? And she's like, no, no, I know. Like (laughs) I'm literally doing the the Debbie Ryan, like hair, uh, putting the hair behind my ears thing. Like shy. Right. That's crazy. We should go to Vegas. (laughs) So crazy. Um, (laughs) But then he wants to impress her. So he's like, yeah let's do it let's go to vegas have i missed anything at that point no i don't think so okay i'm also <laughs> getting really drunk so <laughs> oh, no. i need to catch up I've, been- yeah, I've seen you nurse that go-go for like I keep, forgetting, I keep forgetting that if you actually watch the video of it you'll be able to see me sucking on the go-go squeeze but man i go to town on these things <laughs> I try to get every last ounce of it out and I need to, I'm actually going to put it away because I've been drinking my go-go squeeze instead of drinking my alcohol. I know I'm looking at that go-go squeeze and I'm like, girl, that is 0%. (laughs) There's nothing left. (laughs) I'm devastated. It's like when you have a Capri Sun and you keep like blowing it up and then sucking the air back out of it. They need to make like slightly larger go-go squeezes for adults. Yes. Um, so anyway, they're in, anyway, Vegas. They're in <laughs> Vegas and what are they doing? I don't know. The things I think they're just gambling and they're yeah. going around and they're getting super, he's getting super drunk. She's getting super drunk. She's faking it. <laughs> she's making the whole thing up. She's feeding him drinks every time he's like, oh, like he seems like he's tired or she's like, oh, can we just stay like a little longer? She's making it seem like she's super duper interested. He says something about wanting to go upstairs and have sex with her. And that's where she plays. Yes. She's like, I, she's like, I would have sex with you. I want to have sex with you, except I really just want to be married. I got it. Yeah. She's playing the card of I'm a good Christian woman, I need to be married before I have sex with whoever I'm married to, which She's like, I totally will. I totally will. But I want to be married when I do it. And, but she makes it seem like really interested and she keeps the night going. And Mick is thinking, oh my God, I have to do whatever it takes to say that I shagged. I'm going to use as many euphemisms as I can. That's um, very British of you. I really appreciate you. that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, don't get me started. You could talk in a British accent for days. I know. Um, but he's like, I have to do whatever it takes to say that I banged Evelyn Hugo. So he is willing to go get married in Vegas. And he says, All right, what if we just get married? And she's like, What? What? She's That's like, crazy. 
that came out of nowhere crazy but then at the same time she's like yeah let's do it (laughs) (laughs) so they go quickly get married and then they go up and she has sex with him oh but this is my favorite part okay sorry that was dramatic but (laughs) (laughs) so she goes upstairs they have sex she fucking starfishes this man right so she's like he thinks this is gonna be the best sex ever because Evelyn Hugo has been built up to be this like the sexiest woman alive and that she's gonna (laughs) be great in bed right so she's like the whole entire time awful Mm -hmm. terrible I mean like can't really be terrible if he gets off I don't know anyway um so she she makes it really bad for him on purpose and then yeah so he won't want to do it again which makes sense because genius she's doing this so that I don't know I don't really know they already got married did they really need to have sex no not really, but I think she's just thinking she's a woman of her word. Let yeah, me raise just, my she's not excited, a woman of her word. <laughs> let me let me add to my excited that's genius. Um, mm-hmm. if you don't want to have sex with a guy, you should never ever ever have to have sex with a guy. Or if you're a man and you don't want to have sex with a woman, you should never ever nobody ever. But in her situation, she was doing it on purpose. Um yes. and it was consensual. And she was doing it Ooh, Yeah, because she she would have had to have sex with this man and made it bad for him to want to divorce her. That's yes. that's it. That's okay. why she did it. Yes, you're right. Anyway, okay, so she makes it terribly bad for him. They go to sleep, they don't do it again. They wake up the next morning and she's like, Oh my god, baby, I love you. Please don't leave me, blah blah blah. And he's like, Maybe we just had too much to drink. Maybe <laughs> maybe this was just we were just confused and she's like no no don't leave me plays a part so well she truly is an actor yeah but what is the the saying so um there's a line in the book and I put it in quotes it says if they after he walks out like the hotel door whatever she's thinking to herself she's like if only they gave out Oscars for this shit (laughs) yes because she played it so well yeah like this man fully thought that he had her like wrapped around his finger and that she was in love with him when really she played him the entire time. And I think the worst thing in the world is that he never knew that she played knew. him. He never knew. He just kept going thinking that he was like the hottest man alive. And I'm like, you're not. I know that was a bummer though that he thought because she and she did it on purpose like that was her goal she had sex with him and she totally starfished she was like I'm gonna make this super bad because like he thinks like you said oh it's Evelyn Hugo she must be like the greatest in bed ever Mm -hmm. so then the only and maybe she was but like yeah the only way to get his ego to do that would be for him to get bored and say Mm -hmm. well that wasn't good enough so I'm just gonna leave um so she's still like she's she's still thinking or this guy still thinks about her that she's just bad in bed mm-hmm. and so I want to defend her I'm like she's not bad in bed like she just did she's it actually probably bed. great in bed <laughs> <laughs> but this is that's what I wrote at this time because I was I, I wrote so many notes for this part I think I laughed out loud at this part because it was so it was so crazy I was like I I wrote at this point in the book 
I was starting to feel conflicted because on one hand, it's like, you're still a bitch for like manipulating all these people and just using them. But also it's kind of funny. And it just made me wonder like if you could do that to someone else. Like, I don't know. I, I could do it to a man if it was a man like Rex North. Yeah. I could. I, I'm i not Evelyn Hugo, so maybe I couldn't, but like... <laughs> or it makes you feel he like... He didn't like... deserve... He didn't deserve anything, and he wasn't hurt by it. No. Like, the, he had no idea what was going on. But you know who was hurt by it? Celia. Celia St. James, because that is, that is part of the half-truth part of it. So we get to the end. He says that maybe we should just get, like, an annulment, make this never happen, blah, blah, blah. She's like, see ya yeah. and um basically it gets to the part where <clears throat> um celia finds out that they actually slept together because things were fine afterwards but the minute she found out she was not happy mm-hmm. i understand why she was not happy right um and evelyn did not understand evelyn was no. like i did this for us so that we can be together but celia was like I'm a human being and you just cheated on me. Yeah. Without letting me know that this is what was going to happen. Right. So that's the whole, like, you need to, I thought this plan was so good. If, if you had let both parties know Mm -hmm. what was going to happen at the very end. And she goes back to Celia and she tells what happened. She's honest about it because she's like, I thought this was like a good thing. And Celia, like you said, gets super upset and she kind of gives her the truth. Um if you go to page 187, is there any good lines in there that are like examples of the things that Evelyn says or that Celia says to Evelyn? Because I feel like everything that I was wanting to say to Evelyn, Celia said to her at that moment. So something that I want to point out about Celia, and I'll like I'll read all this stuff too, but um I'm on drink number three. Fuck. Um, but Celia liked to she liked to sit there, and I found Celia very naive for the majority yes. of the story. Um, she didn't quite understand because she had never been through the life that Evelyn had been through in her childhood so she didn't actually know what real life was like because she was brought up in a very like rich upbringing in like Georgia or something but a lot of the story I just felt like Evelyn had to make all of the hard decisions while Celia sat there and complained about them or she was like why don't we just let people know and that's all good and dandy and all of that but letting people know pop that tap (laughs) letting people know that you are part of the lgbtq community in 1960 is not a smart idea and evelyn knew that yeah and evelyn knew what the real world was like so a lot of my problems with celia are that Celia was so naive and Celia liked to sit there and complain about things and say oh we can just out ourselves but Celia had no idea and Celia never wanted to put in any of the work to get there so it's kind of like "Mm." yes Celia was very immature in a different way 
She was yes. very ignorant. Right? Yes. And she wanted people to do things for her. She just expected people to do things for her because that had been what her life was like. And you can't blame her any more than you can blame Evelyn because what Evelyn's life was like, Evelyn thought she needed to use those things to get by. And so did Celia. But you said 187? Yeah. So Celia was not in any way coming to terms with how, with her role in this situation at all. But she did say some things to Evelyn that I almost wonder if it was the author's way of telling us, hey, I get how you're feeling about Evelyn right now because this is how Celia's feeling. And she says, Celia says some things to Evelyn that is kind of harsh. Yeah, so something that Evelyn like throws in Celia's face at this point, which I don't think was a good idea if she was trying to keep her there, was that she said, I can love a man, Celia. Because it's important to put out there that Evelyn is bisexual. Yes. She can go either way and so Celia cannot because Celia is she's a lesbian right so it says um I can love a man Celia I can go marry any man I want and have children and be happy and we both know that wouldn't come easily for you and I think that's what really yeah Celia right away it was a low blow yeah um so that's what she ended up I think that's how she ended up losing her. Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot that Evelyn was pregnant. I'll take she care of it. She said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She got pregnant from that. So that's her <laughs> us rediscovering. Let's just read the book. <laughs> Guys, it's been I want to put it out there that we read this book like a little while ago. Yeah. It's been a while for you, especially oh she said you're a whore Evelyn you let men screw you for fame and that is why I'm leaving you that's what you're talking about okay, okay. so she didn't just allude to it she just flat out said it and yeah. that's, that's where I put my notes I was like well, I don't think she's a whore I mean she's coming on a little strong but I wouldn't call her a whore yeah she just uses her body for, <laughs> for things, which might be the definition of one but well, this is the 20th 20- is it the 21st century yeah are we still in that <laughs> yeah okay don't ask me that <laughs> it's the 21st century we don't use words like whore anymore no right okay number four number four so celia's left evelyn evelyn's like sad about it right so now she's, but Evelyn's still making movies. So Evelyn is starring alongside this man named Mick Riva. No. Never alongside this guy named Rex North. Rex. <laughs> Sorry, there's so many husbands. Also, this um, is clever Rex North, not clever Mick. Yeah, it was gullible Mick Riva. Mick Riva. <laughs> Okay, so the alcohol is here because we're starting to say things incorrectly. This happened in the last episode too. Like you can tell we are so far from professional or prepared. At one point in the <laughs> last, in our first episodes about Akatar and the Akatar episodes, we were saying a guy's name completely wrong. Which one? I think we were calling Baron. I think his name was Baron. Uh-huh. We're calling him Barris. 
because Eris is his son. Or yeah. really? I think I literally made a joke. I was like, oh, Eris and Barris. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just like flat out wrong. Um, okay. Finally fact check us before you spread any of this information. I am coming back we're, to myself. We're on okay. Rex. So she's starring along Rex North and some upcoming films. Mm-hmm. They thought it'd be great publicity for these films. Sorry, I know I didn't say publicity. <laughs> Just the amount of times that we've tried and failed to say publicity. Jesus. It's like when I try to say rural. Rural. Oh, yeah. Say burglary. Burglary. Um, <laughs> so we have <clears throat> Clever Rex North. One mm-hmm. of my hubby, hubbies, right? Hubby. Because he didn't do anything to Evelyn in the time that they were married that made me be like, I hate men, which all the previous ones have. Um, so he actually respected her boundaries, gasped, and was peaceful about the way they were together. So basically they had um, agreed to a fake marriage mm-hmm. um, so that they could get their movie sold better. Yes, and they could both do their own thing. Their their agreement was, hey, we're going to get married, we're going to live together, um, and we're going to go out to these events together. But then when we get home, like, my time is my time, your time is your time, I don't care what you're doing, um, mm-hmm. we're just going to do our own things, and we're going to be, I think they were friends. I mean, yeah, friends because of it. That Rex ends up getting another woman pregnant because, like you said, they're allowed to go off and do whatever they want after hours of being in the public yes. and um so he goes and gets another woman pregnant and he decides that he wants to be a good father so they need to find a way to make this marriage end to the point where he can go and be that kind of father and um Evelyn comes up with a way once again mm-hmm. to end this marriage but end it in a way that makes it seem believable but she does it in a very selfless way. And I think yes. it's one of the it's one of the first times that you see her do it. Like what she did with Celia was very selfless. But like you see her do it in a way that's actually productive. Yes. And she tells the truth to the people that she is involving. <laughs> I would say that when she was hooking up with the last one in Vegas. She was doing the right thing for the right reasons, but she had no understanding of how, of her role in that situation and how her actions impacted other people. And now she is understanding how her actions can impact other people. She cared for Celia. She cared so much for her. That's why she hooked up with that guy. But now she's seeing that she can still care for people but also do it in a way, solve her problems in a way that doesn't hurt other people at the same time. Yeah. But she ends up coming up with this plan that involves my all-time favorite hubby, Mine which too. is Harry Cameron. Harry. So, so many good men in this world are named Harry. But um, maybe just one other one. <laughs> anyway, um, so she comes up with this plan and it kind of benefits like every single person in the situation. So it benefits um, Rex 
because he gets to go be the father he wants to be. It benefits her because she gets to get out of this marriage that she knows she's never going to experience like real love in. Mm -hmm. And um, it benefits Harry because it gives him something that maybe he's always wanted. Yes. So they come up with a plan that she's having an affair with Harry Cameron. And something that's very important about Harry, I don't know if we have brought this up yet. I don't think we have. No. Harry is gay. So he... And we don't know that the whole time. We don't know that. One of the the very first thing that we know about Harry tells us that, though, because when she meets Harry that day in that diner that she was waitressing in, I think, or very soon after that, she meets him and he is not blown away by her. He's the very first person she's come across in her life that has not been absolutely starstruck in her presence by how beautiful she is. And he was not ever trying to have sex with her. So that was kind of like a hint, hint. And he kept it a secret for a long time, but I don't remember how or where, but at one point they decided to become like best friends and tell each other their secrets. And he was like, okay, my secret is that I'm yeah. gay. Yeah. And I think maybe he felt comfortable enough to tell her that because maybe he saw something with Celia that maybe she hadn't seen yet or come. She didn't recognize it yet. But um, yeah, so they're basically both. She's bisexual. He's gay. Um, And they're also like really good friends. So yes. Yeah. So marrying this guy, she's had how many husbands at this point? Maybe she thinks that maybe she can't have that with somebody again. So she marries her best friend. Um, and it's kind and of Harry, Harry becomes hubby number five. The best hubby of them yes. all. And, um, and at the same time, Celia has gone off and she's going around and um, doing all these movies and things. And she actually gets married to a man named John Braveman. He's um, a professional football player. Yeah. So basically, Celia marries this man to cover up the fact that she likes women. Mm -hmm. And then Harry's marrying Evelyn in a benefit of Evelyn, but also to cover up the fact that she or that he is in love with men like he likes men. So. So everything's going good, but yes. Evelyn's still kind of like pining over. She's enjoying her time with Harry because they're like best friends, mm-hmm. but she's also pining away over Celia, like checking the tabloids. Like, is she in it? Is she in it? Um, so she's still keeping tabs on Celia that whole time. And they end up going to, I don't know if it was maybe for Evelyn got a nomination and Celia got a nomination or something. They end up going to the Oscars. Yeah. Right? So they end up going to the Oscars and both her and Celia are once again in the same place at the same time. And it's like the first time that they've come across each other in what, like a year or more. Yeah. So it's it been might even be, time. yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. So that's the bathroom thing. Yes. The bathroom. <laughs> so they're trying to so. each other the whole time. I, I mean, they just like, oh. <laughs> I feel like that's something that like old people. Basically, they hook up in the bathroom. They rekindle. <laughs> they hook up. The bathroom is a perfect place. They decide that they 
do indeed still love each other yes um, evelyn everything worked out she pretended to have an affair with harry everybody went their own way um yeah so her and harry are making appearances now celia and john are making appearances now then they start to make appearances together so together. they can all hang out mm-hmm. but then they make this like quad because it's important to put in there wait 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 that john and harry are in love they were skipping like a crazy part so they end up falling in love with each other mm-hmm. while they're all like running around together mm-hmm. so they become this like like the most leveled up beards that you can get <laughs> because it's like a quadruple is that a thing quadra i think that's it i was trying to figure it out earlier when i said thruple i was like what's one up from thruple what would or five a, be a quadruple beard they're all covering for each other and it ends up being like the perfect situation and that lasts them like what a decade yeah they live this like is, that yes so this is like my very like favorite part i think because um evelyn experiences like so many different types of love that she had never experienced growing up at this point in the book because she has Celia who is her romantic love and then she has Harry who's this platonic but like I always say like soulmate type of love because like a companion yeah yes because I feel like they were always meant to like you know find each other and then imagine how close you grow marrying your best friend and yes, this and, they have like a, an intimacy that is completely platonic yes but they just share everything with each other and I think I I would argue that she trusts Harry more than she trusts Celia and a lot of this book everybody's like oh Celia is her one great love but I honestly also think that she loved Harry did the most out of anybody she loved in this entire book right but um and then she also loved john of course because he was just part of the group and was just a friend and then this leads john was the breath of fresh air yes (laughs) he was just there he was kind he was nice (laughs) but um so like you said they're all a couple at this they're not all a couple at this point but like everybody's with who they're supposed to be with a quadruple a quadruple at this point and um Evelyn and Harry come to this like really important decision that they want to have a child together yes because at this point they're in their 30s you know they're still making movies and stuff but they've gotten to a point in their life I think late 20s or 30s where they're like I want to have these other experiences and so Evelyn decides that she wants to have a baby or maybe Harry decides first I don't know but they decide that you know even though they can't do that with their romantic partners they have this opportunity to have a family with each other and they're both very okay with that Um, and so then it kind of comes it's a conflict because they then have to go and tell Celia and John that and they don't take it super well but they end up doing it anyways and I think Celia ends up not being okay with it but she says I know how bad you want this so yes go have what I can't give to you um so it's actually very very sad yeah right (laughs) (laughs) like it's a very sad part in the book and Celia's not like Celia is never a mother figure no 
in any of this um and you never really see john be a father figure because we don't get the point of view no of any time that the baby gets to go stay with them or whatever happens but um that goes along with like she gets to experience all these loves in her life so then she has a child and that's a whole different kind of love and i know last time we hit on the fact that um we don't like it when people become just randomly pregnant and it gives them a purpose in a book or something. Yes. But see, that's what I think is because that is one of my biggest pet peeves is when, because it's not to give them a a purpose. I hate when they make the main girl character get pregnant as a way to finish out her story to end her character because that is not the end of that woman's life it is not so in Akatar, when they made Feyre pregnant and then just ended her character I was disappointed but when they decided to write that Evelyn was pregnant this was not an end to her at all this was a growth moment for Mm -hmm. her this was an amazing moment for her it's what she wanted she said she wanted it and so when it's in a situation like this, I think it just makes sense. And it went really well with the story. And I loved it. Whereas yeah. I don't like it when it's like just a way to finish off a character. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, it gives her depth. It gives it brings something to the story. It's not just a way to like make sure it's not a way to domesticate a woman. Yeah. Like a lot of people use that. And then they also use it as a way to give like a woman purpose in a story like that's gonna make her feel like she's worth something and that's not how they used it in this and I right really and she was that. already worth something but she came to this decision that she wanted to have a family that's something mm-hmm. she wanted in her life and like even though how even how we're talking right now that was kind of the discussion that was happening in the story for her because when she did have a baby it changed her life in so many ways, but it also changed her career because mm-hmm. people started to not cast her in certain roles anymore, saying that she's too old. We don't want a mother. We want the young virgin who is virgin. <laughs> who is young and, you know, just starting out and doesn't have a kid. <clears throat> and so she started to struggle because of that too. And that really leads us into why her and Celia ended for the second time uh, um so it's a very big goddamn Don Adler he ruins fucking everything really? um so he not nah, he um she decides that she wants to be taken seriously again and go out and act again but she can't do it in the United States so she goes back to a director she had worked with previously. Um, <clears throat> and his name is Max Gerard. And he he's a French man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> let that silence be known. <laughs> yeah. But, I'm sure there's many appealing Frenchmen. But... Yeah. Not. Nope. Um, <laughs> so he is his director. And um, she wants to star in one of his movies. So she gets the leading role in one of those movies um she ends up rekindling with don adler um you know they try to give him that that redemption yeah they try to give him a little redemption arc and that he comes in and he apologizes for everything and she's just like 
she's completely at a different point in her life. She does, she could care less. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I deserve this apology, but also, you know, I'm, Fuck I'm, yeah. if it makes, if it makes you feel better to apologize, then awesome. But they ended up kind of having this kind of good back and forth banter going because they were going to work on this movie together. Mm-hmm. And what the director, what she didn't know was that the director was going to ask her to do a nude sex scene with mm-hmm. Don Adler. And yes. that was not how they did sex scenes there. They would just show absolutely nothing. They definitely wouldn't show complete nudity on on anyone's part um so this was like a big a very controversial thing and she decided to do it and she didn't tell anyone she didn't consult anyone in her decisions which I don't know that she should have had to but also if I was in a relationship like that yeah I probably would have done it just out of respect for the other person but she didn't tell Celia she did the sex scene not only did she do it nude in front of everybody which was a big crazy thing back then um she also did it with Don. And when Celia found out, she was really upset again. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she kind of brought everything up again. I think she was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I want the full you. And she's like, I don't want to hold you back. I don't deserve this treatment. And so she left again, right? Yes. So I have so many conflicting feelings about Celia and Evelyn's relationship together because the first breakup I understood both sides the second breakup I also understood both sides because Evelyn should be able to do what she wants with her body when she wants to do it Mm -hmm. but when you have somebody else with you in a relationship that you have to consider right it's always different and you should always ask before you do it. What you do with that is is totally your choice. But she didn't ask before right. she did it. Right. It's just, a, and it's not like it's even if you didn't owe them any truth, even if yeah. you didn't owe them that, respect them enough to give them the truth, even yeah. if you don't owe it to them. Yeah. And so she ends up going back and she asks Celia after she's actually, you know, filmed the scene. Yeah, she pulls and, those. <laughs> yeah. And so I think she's just hoping for the best at that point. And she's just winging it. And don't we all? But like, yeah, Celia's not okay with it. So the thing with that is that I don't agree with the fact that Celia's not okay with it. I get that at this point, Celia is still very immature she's written as a very immature character still at this point because right um before then um Celia's written in many ways that like when they get into fights she'll throw very hurtful comments back at Evelyn so um you still know that she's just not quite there and she yeah. hasn't experienced enough life to to like know but Evelyn is there yeah, so Evelyn films this, and Evelyn does what Evelyn wants to do, which is usually what what happens. But mm-hmm. Celia's not okay with it. 
and then the truth ends up coming out and they end up splitting for the second time yeah because she's like she's like hey celia so like how would you feel if i did a sex scene nude in front of the whole world with my ex and then she's like and then celia's like eh, i mean i get it but like i would probably be upset if you did it and then evelyn's like well shit i already did it <laughs> it's like and I'm I can't say anything because this is the type of shit I would do <laughs> like I'm not I would I would go in and I would think myself to death and I would do something and then I'd go back and be like I pray to God that I get the forgiveness for this yeah. and everything works out because and like I can't judge her for that for forgiveness rather than permission yeah and it's not the most mature thing to do so it's like I get it but you're and rooting for her. I wanted her to do it. She needed yeah. it. And I was rooting for it for like women too. Like I yes, still think today that it. it's very odd that we can see women's tits on the screen, but you won't show a man's penis. I I still think that's very odd. But like you know who's uh Sorry, this is a way, way what? tangent. Sorry. I am I'm trying to see if I'm about to predict what you're gonna you're gonna you're already going to you know whose penis is just fully out multiple times is um the guy in normal people normal people yes we had a conversation about this like a flaccid penis yes love him oh me too <laughs> but also because on multiple occasions in that show he's just chilling with a flaccid penis yes we had this conversation we were like <laughs> isn't it nice to see a limp dick on this <laughs> when we have to see women's tits on the screen all that not we have to see yeah. great to see women's tits on the screen right but right. like but it's like why is it okay to show that of women but like you're not allowed to show these parts of a man on the especially TV. the limp dick the limp dick limp like dick. show that thing when it's like this big and stuff uh-huh and he was just chilling there he's hot yeah it was refreshing well they didn't do that back in the day so this was a big deal it was a big deal for women actresses at the time um and it was a big deal for Evelyn because it made people take her seriously again Mm -hmm. for a little while while she finished out her acting career um at this point in the book the acting is kind of off the not off the table like she's doing it but they don't really talk about it anymore that was the kind of last thing they talked about in terms of her movies right like she did things yeah. here and there but that was the shift in her priorities was different yeah she was about her family and her relationships and I think it might have been the fact that leading into the next husband so Harry, we, Harry. Um, so, so Celia and yes, so they've parted, but her and Harry are still together. You know, they're, yes, that goes on. Um, I think at this point, Celia divorced. Does she divorce John at this point? I don't know if she divorced him or not. I can't remember, but yeah. But uh, but I think she did because she left. She went across, back she left across the, the country. Whole quadruple. Yeah. So, um, but so they live on this life of doing this stuff, and then John, which is Harry's lover, ends up dying, and I think that this is the most heartbreaking point of the book because. 
you love John, but you never really get to see a lot about John. So it's not the fact that John died that's the most heartbreaking part. It's the fact that you lose Harry at the same time. Because I think that this, that Harry's part spanned over like 10 or more years. Yeah. So you know that Harry has been with this man for more than 10 years. And he just lost the love of his life. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you lose Harry at this point. Like Harry yes. is never the same after this. So, um... It's just kind of and Harry never Harry never recovers from everything changes after this point. Mm-hmm. So they had been living out the past decade, part of that raising their daughter Connor, um, and they were raising them together. And then John dies, and Evelyn has to take care of him. And you know Harry starts to come back to to the world a little bit. I think he starts to get a little bit better, like slowly, but he never is. <laughs> back to where he was and it ends up being the downfall of him um because he starts drinking yeah he becomes an alcoholic yeah he becomes an alcoholic and so Evelyn's trying to navigate that situation while also at the same time um her and Celia have actually Celia won an Oscar I think she won best actress yeah she doesn't talk to celia for a long time like this is a bigger span than the first right yeah breakup right so they have gone long long time and they're on evelyn is sitting at home watching tv with connor and she's watching the oscars and she's not even there anymore and at this point she doesn't even care that's how much you know her priorities have shifted but celia is there and she's accepting her oscar And she says something in her acceptance speech that was directly towards Evelyn and basically saying, Evelyn, thank you. Um, And then Evelyn is like, you know, like crying on the couch. And so they start sending letters back and forth to each other. So Celia is kind of coming back into her life as Harry's falling apart. Yes. But while all of this is happening, we're introducing <laughs> husband number six. Oh, yes. And his name is Disappointing Max Gerard. <laughs> you know, this one is not going to be good. Oh, I wrote down probably my least favorite husband. And that's saying something because Don is in this book. Yeah. Like this he, guy, he just like, I feel like he's greasy. Yeah yeah that is a perfect way to describe i can't describe i don't know why but it feels greasy so she ends up what divorcing harry yeah (laughs) that's the whole part that i just don't it's kind of swept under the rug a little bit because she's and she starts so she divorces him and she's still trying to get divorces okay but she divorces harry because she's in love with max gerard right so she's been sending spending time with him and she's kind of Mm -hmm. hitting it off with him and she he makes her feel really good and she hasn't had that in a long time because celia has been gone for a long long time um so she's kind of having these feelings of like well i kind of like him and it feels good to be with him and so she ends up telling harry and harry's just like fine with it right yeah because at this point He's kind of, yeah. Harry's done. And I don't think Harry thinks that he's going to find another person in his life. Yeah. But that never stopped Evelyn and Celia's 
love letters basically that they're writing back and forth so just to reiterate max gerard this guy that she's now thinking that she's in love with and they're going to get married he's the french director um we don't like him he is nasty um and they don't last very long either they it was more of a lust type of thing I think like he was in love with the idea of Evelyn and she knew that um and she's I don't did she know it until after that no, mm. I don't think so so she she really thought I think that she loved him and that he because it was if it was like if you could compare it to don adler it's this type of thing where it's like a comfort thing and it's reintroducing her to something that feels good so like you said yeah with don adler it finally felt good and it had never felt good before and she's been through all this shit since don and it finally feels good again and he's saying all the right things and then they get married yeah and very quickly after is when max finds the letters from celia and he reads them and confronts evelyn and they have this argument and that's when it hits her with the things that he's saying to her about you know how beautiful and wonderful she is and all these things that she realizes that he doesn't actually love her but he loves the idea of her and he loves that he can say that he has her yeah so like a bunch of things leading up to it she's just kind of been like disappointed right like Uh there's a plane ride where he says something about being seen with her and all this stuff and And so it finally gets to the point where like he reads the letters and he really shows his true colors yeah and she is older at that I think this is a pivotal change too she's older at this point and he's the one who threatens her to expose her um to expose her and her letters and doesn't she just like shrug she's just like she's like I don't give a fuck (laughs) like she doesn't that's what I wrote in here I was like I'm not sure why he didn't out her Mm -hmm. but then looking back at it she was literally like I don't give a shit who knows I'm in love with Mm -hmm. Celia. Like at this point, I'm just going to. Yes. So um, things are starting to move a lot quicker in the book at this point. And so she ends it with Max. Um, She's going to start things back up again with Celia. Um, But big thing happens is that Celia tells her that she is sick and she's dying of COPD. We had lots of trouble with this. I'm only laughing because I thought it was emphysema. And then we were like, wait, this says COPD. And then so then we had to look up what the difference between COPD and emphysema was. Only for like two lines later in the book, it to say what? That she has COPD because or with emphysema? So we read that it was COPD, like she said what COPD was, and do not do not ask me to say what COPD is right now. Um, <laughs> and then it's like a page, and then you get to the next page, and so Evelyn, Evelyn is as confused as we are, and right. she's like, um, what is COPD? And um, uh, Celia's like, oh, it's basically emphysema. <laughs> and I'm right. like, and okay. it's because of all the smoking that they did. 
King. Um, but also really sad because she's dying. Um, so one of the things that she says to Evelyn, at this point, Evelyn's daughter has is growing up. She's a little bit older now. Mm-hmm. One of the things that she that Celia tells Evelyn is, hey, let's move to Spain. Um, right? It was Spain. Yeah. Let's move to Spain. Oh, um, just like different the rest, the rest of my life there. Um, and she finally convinces Evelyn that she needs to do that. And Evelyn is like, okay, well, I mean, yes, I would love to. I obviously love you, but I also love Harry and he's still my best friend and I need to tell Mm -hmm. him. And that's when he or she goes to try and talk to Harry about it. And Harry's like, that's when he says, um, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to take Connor with because I have something really important that I need to tell you. Yes. So we don't actually really find out what that important thing is because they leave this conversation at like a really weird stopping point. But they do foreshadow a little bit and they're like, he smells like alcohol when he talks. He smells like alcohol. Just being random, he smells like alcohol, right? So he ends up leaving um after meeting with Evelyn and talking about it and Evelyn's like I'm not gonna do anything you know without your permission or without like consulting you stuff like that but it all goes downhill and um later on we find that Harry has died not died he's been in a car accident I think they pull up behind him he's hit uh, like a street lamp or a stop light or Yeah, so Evelyn's rushing to get over to Harry's because she's like, I got to talk to you in person. And so Mm -hmm. she gets in this, like, I think it's like a taxi or something. Like, she gets in a cab. Yes, because the guy who is an aspiring actor. Yeah. Yeah, she gets into a cab with this young guy who's like an aspiring actor. And they are going towards Harry's house when they see that this car has crashed. And they go up and they go up to the car and it's Harry and another man in there and you can tell that Harry has been drinking and he's kind of like hunched over and the other man is clearly dead Mm -hmm. like dead on impact dead he died in the crash and Evelyn makes this split decision in that moment to move Harry to take him out of the driver's seat and move the dead man into the driver's seat so it looks like he was driving instead um Mm -hmm. and she not that it's funny but she has she actually ends up having the taxi driver help her um and he helps her and she like bribes him or something she makes a deal yeah and then he ends up being one of the big he got a big movie role (laughs) yeah so she made a call for him to somebody a big production person and he ended up getting like a big role after that so he kept this the secret for her um because she was thinking I all she thought was I have to protect the one person in the situation right now that I do love Mm -hmm. and that's Harry and at that point she thought you know there's still a chance that we can get him out of here alive so she was like but if he does make it out alive and he's caught in this situation, he's going to go to prison because he was drunk driving and probably manslaughter if they had that back in the day. But um, so she took him out of the seat and took him to the hospital and put the other guy in the front seat. And he ended up um, dying in the hospital. So Harry had like a really bad ending for our favorite person. And yes. I think that 
is honestly, do you want to just jump to the ending? Like the we ending could. of the book? Because the last part of the book is Evelyn and Celia living out the rest of their lives. Um, or Celia's life, I mean. Seventh husband. We cannot leave him sorry, out. Sorry. His name is Agreeable Robert Jameson. It's Celia's brother. So they end up moving to Spain um, and living out this like whole entire time. And it's a very peaceful time. And like you said, she ends up losing Celia, which brings her back to New York. And then um, I think that, you know, like, like you said earlier, Robert Jameson was also a beard. So he covered up the fact that they were yeah. together. So, so was, they end up moving. Celia's brother but I think he was really in the picture and willing to do it because Celia was so close to dying so he was like I will spend the rest of my life with her so that you can be there too and I will marry you so that we can do this together yeah so um they end up moving back to New York after Celia dies it's a very sad time I don't I don't want to just like brush by Celia dying because she's such like a huge part of this book but really she just goes peacefully and her and Evelyn do end up getting to spend a lot of years together they move back to New York um Robert ends up dying um he was really like he was a father to Connor that she didn't have because Harry ended up dying um and then I think you're right. I think she gets cancer. It might be breast cancer. Yeah. I'm not sure. Connor ends up getting cancer and dying. And this all leads into why Evelyn wanted to write this story in the first place. Everybody she has ever loved is dead at this point. So she feels as if she can expose all of these secrets because mm-hmm. they're not here anymore. Right. Which the so and at this point they're old when they when some of them died they were old and Evelyn is older at this point too she is at the end of her life um even though she is still beautiful and graceful and present she is getting older and getting towards the end of it and she is ready to share her story and this is the time when you start to understand why and then this is where the big plot twist comes in and that here and there you're getting bits of Monique the journalist who's interviewing her you're getting bits and pieces of her life and why she is the way that she is and why she has the goals and aspirations that she has um and something that impacted Monique a lot was her father passing away. Her father was an amazing man. He was an amazing husband. Um, he loved his wife and he just was the best father ever. And he passed away um, and she could never come to terms with, I know what you're about to say, she could never come to terms with the fact. Do you just want to say it? Okay. I won't say it, but so Monique has grown up thinking that her father was drunk driving. Yes, that's what I was going to say. She could never come to terms with the fact that her father died drunk driving. Drunk driving, right? So I don't know if you can put it together at this point. Yeah. But I'll let you say it. I'll let you say it because I really got to pee. (laughs) Her father ended up being the man in the car with Harry 
who died that day and who Evelyn put in the passenger seat. And the reason Evelyn knew that was because she got a letter and a picture from Harry before he died that said, um, the love of my life is, and then it said um, Monique's father's name. So the real reason was not that she liked Monique's writing or she thought she was a good journalist and a good person for the job. It was because she was the last person in the world that she owed this debt to and this truth to and she needed her to be the one to do it and her she knew that she if she still after all of this still wanted to tell Evelyn's story then she had to be the most appropriate person to do it so at that moment Monique learns that not only did her father not drive drunk and kill another man and kill himself he was not doing that but also he had this whole secret life um he was actually gay and yes that there was this other part of him that she didn't know at all and so she kind of freaks out and she leaves and she was like oh my god like Evelyn I'm never speaking to you again like how could you do this to me um she kind of thinks about it for a little bit and goes back to Evelyn Uh, yes so that's so this is this is like (laughs) a huge a huge part of the book though too because you know all these things about Evelyn and you know that she's a person that you don't know if you can really like get behind or not and she makes these choices but then you also figure out that she is like this person who switched these people around in the car but then also fucked up this child's like perspective of their father for their whole entire life right like like Monique grew up thinking that her father was driving drunk and wrecked this car but then Monique also grew up thinking that her parents had this love story Mm -hmm. to end all love stories because they loved each other so much and so that takes me back to um Rex North Mm -hmm. and what I wrote about him is that he was one of my favorite husbands he's the one who uh got, got the lady pregnant yeah and then they had to end it and that's how she ended up with Harry but I I thought throughout that whole entire thing that they could have made such like a good couple and that I think that they could have had um a comfortable Mm -hmm. love like Monique's parents because even though Monique's dad was gay he loved Monique's mom right and like they really hit that at the end of the story yeah like it's way more complicated than than you can ever think about it like they really did love each other but it was like a different kind of love it was like a friendship kind of love yeah it almost makes you think like if Celia had never been there because yeah the majority of things that Evelyn did throughout her life were for Celia whether or not it looked that way a lot of them were for Celia so if Celia hadn't have been there well then maybe she wouldn't have married Rex in the first place but if Celia hadn't still been on her mind, she probably would have stayed with him just out of the comfort of it. And the fact that they had this understanding of this respect and trust. And you could also like argue that for her and Harry too, if she didn't know that Harry was gay and she ended up marrying Harry, you know, she could have loved him in that way and a comfortable, it's not like the most passionate type of love you've ever had in your life, but like, skipping ahead to the end of end of the story like Monique's dad in the letter was like I, I loved your mother 
Like I loved her. She was my best friend. Mm-hmm. We were soulmates type of thing. Um, but that's not who he was attracted to in the end. Like right. it really makes you think about the different types of like love and marriages in the world. I agree. Like how you decide who you're going to end up with and how you decide to not like settle, but like how you decide to live your life in the end. Right. And who's going to really be there in the long run Yeah, for you and who the best person like for that job is. And I feel like we didn't build it up enough to be a plot twist because for us, we went into the book being like, we got to talk about these husbands. Yeah. This is crazy. And in a similar way that Monique comes back around and decides to write this book about Evelyn's life, because at the end of the day, the point of the story is that it actually was not what you thought at all. No. It's not about the husbands. It's one about the fact that Evelyn had this whole other life, that she was bisexual, that she hid her one great love was not was not a man yes because the big none of the husbands the biggest question of the characters in the book and the biggest question of the readers of the book as you're going through is who's the best husband and who does she love the most when in fact the entire time the person that she loved the most was celia yeah it was none of there was none of the seven husbands and I I think that's the biggest plot twist of them all like it's not something that hits you really hard and you're like oh crazy Mm -hmm. because you you know what's going to happen leading up to it and I know there's a big plot twist at the end but like I still think the biggest plot twist is that her one true love ended up being a woman and it's this book titled the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo Yes. And I would argue actually that I didn't need the plot twist about Monique and her father. The book was good enough without it. Yeah. Without that little like subplot of, I think it was a great twist and it was a great thing to put in there. Mm -hmm. And it really explains why she wanted to choose this woman to write her book. But like, yeah, I would have, I would have enjoyed it just the same Mm -hmm. if it did not have Monique in it. Me too. Like it was great, but honestly, it didn't need it. The last note that I wrote in there is just that I think that this would be an amazing movie. Yes. And I don't know if that's in the works. I think it, there's so many different things that people are trying to do with so many different books that it's like crazy. Mm -hmm. But I think there is some type of thing in the works, but like you always know that things fall through. And stuff like that right. or like it's not gonna be like as good as the book but I think it lends itself nicely to um, but like like you said last time when we talked about Akatar it's gonna be hard to translate those books into a tv series but this yes. you could make into a movie so easily and it right. could run so smoothly and it could have such a good plot yeah that like it's I think it like would translate movie. well yeah, yeah. I was just trying to Google because I haven't looked this up already and I didn't I didn't look up the movie thing either, but I was trying to look up who Evelyn Hugo, she's got to be based on someone, right? It's just weird because it's, they talked about little women and I'm mm-hmm. like, this is, this is so different. And at first I thought it was like Winona Ryder, right? Mm-hmm. But like, that doesn't make sense because Winona wasn't a, a person of like, I don't know. She's well, I mean, Winona's not old enough. This is like like the first thing that comes up is like Elizabeth Taylor. That's true. 
Like that's the time we're talking. That's um, true. So I've seen people say um, that she's loosely based on Elizabeth Taylor, who uh, was married to like seven different men. Seven that would make eight, so much sense. Seven or eight different <laughs> men. Because um, what did Elizabeth Taylor die of? I don't know. I need to look it up. I don't know. And I don't know if she is based on that or if she's based on no one um so that'll be interesting so if somebody knows who evelyn hugo is based on or she's not based on anyone um let us know somehow because i would be (gasps) curious because every time i get into something i want to like uh just research everything (laughs) oh my god wait let me let me read this to you as of the world uh, no, as the world celebrates and honors Elizabeth Taylor, who died from congestive heart failure, which doesn't, it's not the same at age 79. Mm-hmm. Here's what immediately comes to mind. Passionate love affairs and eight marriages to seven husbands, mm-hmm. um, a penchant for expensive jewels and a game changing advocacy f- role for AIDS awareness. Mm-hmm. Which they also talk a lot, a lot about. In yeah. The so I don't mm-hmm. know if the whole LGBTQ, um, sexual identity part I opened this and I didn't even realize I opened it I didn't set my last timer I know you didn't I was waiting for it but I have (laughs) I finished one two three and then I just opened this one and I told myself I wasn't gonna open it because I have to pee so bad (laughs) I finished two and a go-go squeeze that go go squeeze counts in my opinion. But <laughs> I'm a I, lot drunker than you are. But. Okay, so who is your favorite husband and your least favorite husband? Okay, let me go back. Um, so my favorite husband, I loved Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if they would have given Rex more of a background, I could have loved him the most. Yeah. I also loved Celia's brother. Yeah. Um, he had commitment issues though um he was nice but harry obviously harry i i'm sorry but i love the gays if you write anything i will read it if there are gay men (laughs) i I was joking i was joking (laughs) we were talking before this and i was joking because i was like man our favorite man in this book is one of the only ones who's a gay man yes anyway we don't hate men we love men most of gay men um so yeah my least favorite like I said Max Gerard probably my least favorite husband and that's saying something because Don is in this book Don was abusive mm-hmm. physically mentally verbally um I'm never saying that's an okay thing it's horrible no textbook, but his, his awful was- person his was such a big part of the story and you got the most um, out of him and Harry that it's hard to put Don at the lowest because he was one of the most interesting ones. Yes, because they gave him something. Yeah. Um, I think Max Gerard is because it was all about, he played her. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like the fact that he played her. Like he actually made her think that she was like worth something to him. Right. And um. It was all about, in the end, how it made himself look. And I think that's the worst type of man. Yeah. Is the one who only does things because it's going to make himself look better in the public eye. Right. I don't know. 
I agree with that. I think my favorite has to be Harry. I just love Harry. Uh, but since you already picked Max, I think I'm going to pick uh, the Vegas guy. Where is he? I couldn't. <laughs> uh, his name was Global McRiva. <laughs> he, he's my least favorite. I thought he was sleazy and arrogant. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely loved, even though it was terrible, even though it's terrible that I'm saying this, I ate that shit up when she just completely used him and completely tricked him and he had no idea and I thought it was hilarious and since you already picked Max I'm gonna go with him as my least favorite and that's valid because this man is is textbook frat boy yes and I hate no one more than I hate a frat boy <laughs> I went to crunch this morning crunch is crunch is my gym filled with frat boys mm -hmm. I, I can't yeah. I, I can't. Can't have a bro what's up I haven't seen you in so long <laughs> all this, all you're not from thing. fucking California shut the fuck up it makes me repulsed I feel physically ill when mm -hmm. I hear them talk people probably think that about me as well but <laughs> it is what no. it is no it is what it is. But um, also went to Wingstop last night. <laughs> the amount of Brad's and Chad's in there too. It was like, the guy was like, dude, what are you waiting on? And he's like, I'm waiting on this thing for my girl. Like, she's, she's the love of my life. Fucking love her. <laughs> like, um, I just need to fill up the thing. Yeah, bro, it's okay. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh. No, about to cap a sigma phi and go fuck a bunch of bitches. Like, I wish why I you could gotta talk like that? that. How do you adapt that voice? And I know How Victor told us we sounded like basic white bitches, and mm -hmm. maybe we do, but like, I didn't That's... adapt a Brad voice. We didn't do that, and I no. appreciate that about us. Yeah. I wish I, I could sound remember. like this because this is what we sound like our whole lives. Yeah, I know. I wish I could remember this time. And I I don't know if I can remember it. I went and told Victor about it because I was at the gym and I it was already hard enough to get a bench. But I'm in this <laughs> bench. I finally get a bench and I'm going up to it. And I'm sitting down and I'm just doing my stupid little arm things and um <laughs> they probably looked like that too and there's these guys next to me and I wish I could remember like word for word what they were saying it was so funny at the time but I could hear their whole conversation one of them had a girlfriend and then the other one I kid you not was saying things along the lines of well I had this girl like she like said something to me but then she I told her like like that I just needed to be like alone and like I am choosing not to have a girlfriend because like I don't need that in my life right now and I just want to like focus like on myself so like that's why I'm choosing not to have a girlfriend he's choosing that and I was like I I haven't told you this yet and I will tell you the backstory later <laughs> but I went to I went to a bags tournament right <laughs> and so this guy and I um his sister was like I need you to give my brother your number so I'm drunk okay he hands me his phone I put my number 
No, he hands me his phone. I put his number into my phone, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's smart. Um, so I send, hi, this is Maddie that night. Doesn't text me back until the next day. Uh, mind you, I'm not interested in this man. I'm about four to five years older than this man. Okay. Oh, no. I did it because I'm afraid of his sister. So um, he texts me the next day and he's like, hey, I don't know if you remember or not. But um, you wanted my number last night. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, sir, I did not want your number. You know, he spent a long time thinking up that response. Yeah, I was like, I did not want your number. Your sister kind of forced it on me. I didn't know what to say in the moment. Did you say that? And I was, no, I ghosted him. I didn't text back. <laughs> Sorry. I know that's terrible. But um, I was like, First, you start off with, hey, I don't know if you remember or not, but you wanted my number last night. And I was like, I don't think so. I do not think so. (laughs) (laughs) Why did these things happen to you? I don't know. But I was like, dude, you're 12. Get the fuck out. Oh, my God. But... That's the greatest thing about this book is that we can just talk about stupid relationship stuff at the same time. We can slander men. I love it. <laughs> what what I really want to do is have Victor or somebody on here. Um, the next time we discuss a book that's super uh, thought of as girly. So I feel like a lot of girls read this book. Probably more. I'm just going to safely guess. I think that more girls read this book than guys. And um, so I want Victor to come on or some other guy to come on and give us the male perspective on what we're talking about. And because it would have been cool to see like a male perspective on their take on the different hubbies. It um, would also be really um, interesting um, if we did do like something like the silent patient. Yeah. Caitlin, if you did not know, um, study psychology in college. And her boyfriend also studied psychology in college. So it would also be kind of interesting to find or to hear the perspective of both of them. Yes. In there too. I know Um, I've got some things to say about the silent patient. So I'm excited to talk about that one. And not just from like a, like talking about the psych things because I talked about it. It's just, it's just so interesting to me because like, okay, I don't even want to get into it, but like, Coming from a perspective of somebody who didn't study psychology, reading that, how it could convince you, you know, to, that that's to, what psychology is. To use and that theoretical it, perspective. Yeah, yeah. And then to hear from somebody who actually studied it is very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. So it definitely is only one psychological perspective and one only. And it's one that I don't necessarily think is the best. Um, but I, you know, some people do. And I know. <laughs> and there's just, people just agree to disagree and they just use the one that best fits them and that's totally fine so mm-hmm. um it's just like I it's cool because I can look at it try to or I can try to look at it from a different theoretical perspective and see like what would I have done with that patient um compared to what I actually have right now yeah it's a very rare situation that I will <laughs> 99% never come across in my life so <laughs> um but it's a really interesting story and that's kind of leads us to the end of our discussion right because that's what we're going to talk about next time yes 
So, and if you want, if you want Victor to come in as a guest star at any point, I will be more than happy. Yeah. So, listeners, man. listeners, do you want Victor to come on here? And- you want? Trust me, you want Victor to come on here you because want- Victor always has something to say, and it's always either going to be funny or it's going to be interesting. So, I told I told him that he doesn't even have to read the books because I feel like he could come in and probably just say some things wouldn't that be fun though just to have him like he could sit here and listen to listen to our synopsis our summarization what we feel and then bring in his own opinion without actually reading the book I think I think it would be good to have and just with anybody um so we might have some guests on the next episode and we're definitely going to be talking about the um, silent patient and so that's the book we're doing next we'll continue reading our books you should continue reading your books um, and listen to this episode. People listen to our next episodes. If you haven't listened to the Akatar episodes, um, go try to make it through those. Yes. But I won't hold it against It takes you. a long time. <laughs> We're trying to get better. So yeah. anyways, we'll see you next time on What's for Brunch. Woo! Bye. Bye. Bye.